Some of you might be asking, uh, knowing that I was in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, pastoring there, and you might be thinking, well, why did he come back? And uh, how are things up there in Sault Ste. Marie? And I, I, those are good questions, and I'm sure they might be on someone's mind. So I thought I would just address that a little bit before I get into the message this evening. And the reason we came back here was we believe God led us. God led us back here. Uh, there's a longer story to that, and uh, I won't go into it tonight because of time, but uh, we're here because we want to be here, and we feel God has us to come here for a purpose and for a reason, and we want to be a blessing, and uh, we want to serve. Nothing's changed. Regardless of where uh, Loralee and I are, we want to serve Him in any capacity that He would have me to do that. And so, of course, I just didn't make that decision. I sought the Lord's guidance, prayed about it, and uh, it was interesting how God brought about the things, answered prayer, and brought us to that place. So we're thankful for that. The church in Sault Ste. Marie is doing okay. Uh, right now, the church does have an interim pastor. His name is Jeremy Whitty. I had the it was fortunate that Jeremy came to the church in 2015. And I was able to work with Jeremy for about seven years, me and him working together. And I was able to instill any wisdom that I had uh, for him and uh, was able to work with him and prepare him uh, for taking over the church. And he has promised to stay there for two years uh, looking for a permanent pastor. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm glad I didn't have to leave with no pastor, no one to fill in the pulpit. So I'm thankful for that God provided that. And I would ask that you would pray for Jeremy. His name is Jeremy Whitty. Some of you may know him. He worked with Brother Paulus over in London at, Gospel, at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in London before he came up to Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, interesting story about Jeremy. Jeremy is actually from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. I actually, he is actually the son of a Baptist pastor. Uh, his father is Pastor uh, Larry Whitty over in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. And me and him are very close friends. Uh, been a great friend to me for many years in the ministry, and it was a blessing to have Jeremy come and work with me, and uh, he's willing to do that. The church is financially stable. It's got the Odoo own their own building, and they're a small group. I won't lie to you. It is a small group, but they're a faithful group, and they're good people. And we survived COVID, praise the Lord. God got us through that. And, uh, but we did, like many other churches, have to, we had to shut down our bus ministry and our children's ministry because of COVID. But praise the Lord, uh, it was encouraging to me because that was kind of a ministry close to my heart. Uh, I have a passion and a, a great uh, love for children and to work with them. And it was good that I could, we could start that bus ministry up before I left. And uh, we were able to see probably 95 of the percent of the children come back, uh, that we that you know we I we started up in the spring and I didn't know what you know you don't know what you're going to get what's going to happen you're you're down for two years a lot lost contacts we try to stay in contact in different ways but praise the Lord many of them came back uh, they may not have come back the whole time but we at least got to see at least them once during that uh, six week period that we ran the program so we're very thankful for that. And that ministry hopefully be carried on as well. So uh, pray for the church. Pray for Jeremy and the Maranatha Baptist Church in Sault Ste. Marie. And that God would provide for them a permanent pastor. 
Well, let's get right to the message tonight. If you have your Bibles and you're at Daniel chapter 6, let's look at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the princes, around, I'm sorry, the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they found none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Tonight, I want to bring you a message on Daniel's conflicts. Daniel's conflict. You know, uh, someone said this. If you're going through a time of testing or conflict, God is seeking to raise your commitment to a new level. I'm not saying that all conflict is because God is bringing in your life. Sometimes conflict is in our life because of sin. We make mistakes and uh, we cause a conflict. Sometimes because of the world in which we live. We live in a world that's fallen and uh, we live in a world that uh, is looking for conflict. But sometimes God will bring a conflict into your life because he wants to test you. Not just the fact to see if you're going to fail or not. God's not interested in it because God knows that already. God's all-knowing. But God wants you to grow to a new level of commitment. That's, you know, that's what God wants in our life, isn't it? He wants you to grow and get to a new level in your life of commitment and devotion to him. And Daniel went through a conflict, but God had a purpose for it. And it brought him to a new level of commitment. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself in a place of conflict because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Has that ever happened to you? Because of your faith. Not because you did something wrong. Not because, uh, you know, something happened to you that was uh, because of, uh, of this fallen world. But because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, tonight, uh, we see here in our text that Daniel, uh, he was a probably close to 80 years of age, most likely semi-retired. And, uh, you know, he had served under King Nebuchadnezzar for many years as a bureaucrat, as a counselor, as a supervisor, and found faithful. And most likely, uh, thinking, you know, I'm near retirement age and I'm near to end of my, uh, you know, my purpose here. And all of a sudden, a new king comes on the scene, okay? Uh, because we know when Nebuchadnezzar's grandson came on the scene, uh, Daniel was not in that position anymore because Belshazzar knew nothing of Daniel, didn't even know who he was. To know if he existed. So he was behind the scenes, but all of a sudden, a new emperor comes to the throne. It's a brand new uh, nation 
It's Persia, no longer the Babylonians. And all of a sudden, Daniel is called to serve. He's called to come and take this position, as we see here, to be a supervisor, all right? The, the, when the new king Darius came to the throne, he had 120 governors. These, uh, these presidents and these uh, princes were probably governors, local governors who were there to uh, collect the taxes for the king, to uh, help the king rule and, and uh, you know, supervise the people and make, thing, make sure that everything was going well. But it wasn't very long before he realized these people could not be trusted. And maybe they were taking advantage of their position. Maybe they were not being faithful and holding, being held accountable. And so he got three presidents to supervise them and hold them accountable to what they were doing. And Daniel was one of them. And as time went by, the king realized, you know what? There is that Daniel. He's better than all of them. He, he's the one that I want to just be in control and supervise everybody. And so the king raised him up to a position where his authority was directly under King Darius. And he was placed in this position. The problem is, with that position came conflict. Now, it wasn't with the king. It was with all those other princes and presidents who felt that uh, Daniel, he shouldn't have that position for one reason or another. And he came, he came in conflict with those people. And tonight, I have three responses a believer can have in a time of conflict. And I think we can learn some things here from Daniel. First of all, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here and to look into the Bible and to study and to search out some of these truths that we have here. Lord, we know that uh, we're all going to face conflict in one way or another, uh, and most likely uh, for our faith in Jesus Christ. But Lord, we don't have to fear, and we don't have to be troubled, but rather we can trust you. And that's what we learned here from Daniel. So Lord, help me to bring out these truths uh, from your word. Help me to be encouragement here tonight. And may all the glory and honor go to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, number one, uh, we see here we can respond in faith. We can respond in faith. Notice it says in verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the lion, the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore did Darius sign the writing and the decree? 
Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. You know, how did Daniel respond? Because it wasn't very long. I'm sure Daniel realized that he was in a conflict. And it was a conflict with not only these presidents now, but with the king. Because what had happened? These presidents and these people who did not like Daniel, they went to the king. And they said, O king, we think that you are just like God. You are, you are great and powerful, and you know, we want to worship you like a deity, like a God. And we think the best way to do that is for you to devise a law that would be with anyone pray to anybody but you, any other deity than you for 30 days, that they'll be punished, and they'll be thrown to the den of lions. And how did the king respond? He thought that was a good idea. Now, what happened? He fell because of flattery. Beware of flattery. Isn't that what the Bible says? Beware when people come and say good things about you. Now, it's not bad that people say good things about you. It's not bad that they encourage you. But uh, be aware that sometimes they're not trying to communicate to you they're trying to manipulate you, all right? They want to manipulate something. And the king, he fell for that. He fell for that flattery. And it wasn't just the flattery, but there was something inside him that responded to it. What was it? It was pride. Pride. What's, what's, what is it? The pride of life, all right? And, you know, he said, well, you know, preacher, that never happened to me. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, pride. That's a problem. We all have that problem. Let's don't be too hard on the king because we all make mistakes. We're all sinners, saved by grace. And he fell for it. He was tricked, and he signed that decree. But what I want to look at tonight and bring out a little bit here before we move on is Daniel's response. How did Daniel respond? Well, did Daniel change his routine? Did he, did he say, well, you know what? Uh, since this is a new law, uh, you know, maybe I better just change my routine. No, because that wasn't the plan. His enemies knew. I mean, even his enemies knew he wouldn't change his routine. Why? Because his devotion and dedication to God. They knew that Daniel was dedicated to his God and he was more dedicated to the Lord God Jehovah than he was to King Darius. And so they knew he wasn't going to change. And that's how dedicated he was. And so he responded by going home, opening his doors, opening his windows, and praying three times a day, just like they knew he would. Isn't that good when our enemies know how we're going to respond. They know what we're going to say, even before we say it. 
Why? Because we have a testimony. We have a track record. And sometimes they use it against us. And they used it against Daniel. And Daniel, he did not change. You know, someone said this, outlook determines outcome. When we look to the Lord for guidance and help each day, we know that the outcome is in his hands and that we have nothing to fear. You know, how do you start your day? Daniel began his day in prayer. He went to the Lord in prayer. I mean, he, he opened his windows and he faced Jerusalem. Now, we don't do that today. That's, that's not needed. We don't need to do that. Some think the reason why Daniel did that is because the Jews were in exile. And he was following the, the plan that Solomon had used in his prayer during when he dedicated the temple. He said, if my people will call by my name and humble themselves and pray. And so Daniel was following that procedure and he was following that plan, asking God, God, bless our nation again. We're in exile. We're struggling. We're, 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 being, we're facing the judgment. We're being disciplined for our sin. Lord, have mercy upon us and use us again and bring us home back to where we want to be. And he prayed. And he, every day he faced a day with prayer. And you know, it's good as a Christian to pray that we would face our day because how, you know, the world, what are they looking to when they face their day? You know, the world gets up, they watch the news, and it's all bad news. And they're looking at themselves, they're looking at their own needs, and that's how they're facing the day. But we who know Christ as Savior, we can begin our day facing the Lord. Not, not like, you know, I'm not saying to face Jerusalem or, you know, but I'm saying when we're praying, we're, we're in our minds, we're facing our Lord. We're looking to Him for guidance. And that's how He responded. And if you're facing a conflict in your life tonight, then go to the Lord in faith. Face Him. Let Him give you the guidance you need. And that leads us to the second point here tonight. We can respond with confidence in God's power. Confidence in God's power. We notice here in verse 12, Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed the decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel. You like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That Daniel. Let's talk about somebody. That Daniel. And it gets, he says, Which is of the children of the captivity of Judah. Oh, that Daniel. You know, those Jews over there. You know, that guy that they brought back from Israel. And, you know, he's holding this place of leadership. He's holding this position over us. 
that Daniel. <laughs> you know, you can just hear it. It's just dripping with derogatory, isn't it? It's just dripping with anti-Semitism. I mean, they just have so much scorn. They just hate him. And, and they come before the king, and they, and they say that to him. You can imagine how the king feels. And notice it says here, as we continue on, uh, then answered they said before him, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established shall be changed. What do we see here? Daniel was accused. All right, they accused him. He is praying to his God, and he is guilty of the law that you made. Now they've turned it around, haven't they? Their plan is coming to fruition. And now, not only is Daniel in conflict with these men, but now Daniel is in conflict with the king, and the king can't do anything about it. Because we notice here, the king is distressed. He wants to save Daniel. He had no idea this would happen. He's caught off guard. And he says, what can I do? And he spends the day trying to get Daniel free, trying to keep him out of the lion's den. And every time they come back, oh, yeah, but you made the law. Oh, yeah, it can't be changed. This is the way it is, and you can't do it. Well, that's funny. I thought the king was a god. You know, they were saying, oh, you're a god. <laughs> How embarrassing that must have been for him to realize you're not a god. You're just a man. You're just a man. And you made a dumb mistake. How embarrassed he must have been when that happened. So he's distressed. Uh, we see here in verse 16, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. That's quite the statement from a God. <laughs> this God who is worshipped, supposedly worshipped. Now he's saying, your God's going to deliver you. Did he really believe it? I don't know. He said it. Go on in verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose early, right? He rose early uh, in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And then when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, 
servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Can you hear it in his voice? (laughs) Before he stated it, God will deliver you. But now, Daniel, are you still there? (laughs) Doesn't know for sure, does he? He didn't know how it was going to turn out. Obviously, he was distressed. If he knew for sure, he would get a good night's sleep, right? Wouldn't have any trouble. But he was distressed. Ever been distressed? I'm sure everyone here could raise a hand and say, yeah, preacher, I've had some sleepless nights. I've had some sleepless nights. Been up all night, distressed. I don't know. I don't know how things are going to work out. I've asked God. I pray to God. But I don't know how it's going to work out. Praise the Lord. We got a God who's victorious. And that's what we see here. Because the king was distressed. But what happens? The Lord is victorious. Notice it says here in verse 21, then uh, that voice, that sweet voice of Daniel, then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not heard me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Ho, ho, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. He's alive. I mean, Daniel, the king's heart, you can just imagine the joy when he heard that voice. When he heard that he had no hurt, at the, you know, he didn't say, well, I'm missing an arm. <laughs> I'm barely at, no. God had preserved him. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. So let's go to point number three. We can respond with praise and glory. You know, when you're in a conflict and you're trusting God and you're, you know, you're trusting in God's power, when God provides and fulfills his promise, what else can we do? We can praise his holy name. We can praise his holy name. And uh, we see here in verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree. Now this isn't Daniel talking. This is a Gentile king who knows not God, wasn't raised in Judaism, wasn't raised to know the Old Testament. Here is a Gentile, pagan, heathen God. And what does he say here? He says here, I make a decree 
that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Worship him, they say. We're going to worship Daniel's God. Why? For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in the earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. We see that uh, the Lord was glorified. How encouraged that must have been. Uh, Just think about this. I don't know if the, the Gentiles in that kingdom would have listened to the king. What about those Jews? You know, those Jews had been in in Babylon for 70 years. That's a long time. They've been praying for a long time. I don't think Daniel was the only Jew praying towards Jerusalem, do you? I think there were others. They'd prayed for a long time. And they were probably thinking, God, Are you there? Are you there? (laughs) Are you going to answer that prayer? Are you going to bring us back home? The prophets said you would. The prophets told us you would. Is it going to happen? And just imagine when they heard that king say, the Lord God of Daniel lives forever. That would have been an encouragement to the Jews. You know, God's going to encourage you when you trust him. When you trust him and you believe his word and you believe his promises, he's going to encourage you. And you may be surprised where it will come from. You'll say, well, it's going to come from my pastor. Or, you know, it's going to come from some, you know, somewhere where I expect it. But, you know, sometimes God uses things that we don't expect, doesn't he? Sometimes the encouragement comes when we least expect it. From somewhere where we have no idea. How, how, where could that have come from? Other than the Lord. <laughs> the Lord. And he's going to encourage you. And what can we do? We can just praise the name of the Lord. Just bring glory and honor to him. And what happened to Daniel? He prospered. Notice it says in verse 28, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You know what happened? Now, I can't say this for sure because the Bible doesn't say it. But we know from Scripture that the decree to go back to Israel for those Jews came from Cyrus. And is it possible that Daniel was able to hear the answer to his prayer? I think it's likely. I can't say for sure. I wouldn't say. But I think it's likely that Daniel could have heard that decree and heard that God answered the prayers of his people. And it's exciting when God answers our prayers. And that's when we give glory and honor to him. In conclusion tonight, 
The story of Daniel and the lion's den proves that God is able to deliver his people from conflict and raise them to a new level of commitment and devotion. I don't know if you ever heard of the novelist Herman Melville. Herman Melville. You know, he started the novel, and he, uh, he wrote about a conflict, a great conflict. Now, this conflict was not against man and man. It was against man and nature. The first line of his novel was, Call me Ishmael. All right? Now, that novel was about a captain on a boat. And this captain hated a whale named Moby Dick. I don't know if you ever read that book, but it's an interesting book. And uh, maybe say, well, I'm not a reader. Well, you can watch the movie, all right? Just uh, look up Gregory Peck, all right? He plays Captain Ahab, and uh, pretty good movie. I enjoyed it, but uh, Moby Dick. And you know, that whole story is about conflict, how a man, Ishmael, is pulled into this conflict, this conflict about with this crazy sea captain who wants to get revenge at this white albino whale that bit his leg off. And the whole story is about how people, the whole crew, is drawn into this conflict, and because of the hatred and the vindiction of not only, and you know, this isn't true in nature, but not only the captain's vindiction, but also the whale. The whale in that story is kind of given a, a character of vindiction because, uh, you know, the writer brings out that he's going after the captain. Right? He's going because of this conflict between these two. And everybody, everybody dies on the crew, except for one man. He's alive to tell the story. You know, sometimes we're going to be drawn into some conflict because of our faith in Jesus Christ. How will we respond? Well, I think you say, well, preacher, uh, why would I want to even be involved in a conflict? Why want to, you know, why I would just totally go around that and, and just bypass that. But God would have us to go through that so that we can get to a higher level of commitment. Why would God, what, why would God do that? Well, I think through that, we learn to please God first. Please God first. Learn to please him. And to, uh, you know, we think of Mark chapter 12, verse 30, all right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Please him. That should be our desire. When we, if we find ourselves in a conflict, please him. Please him first. Not only that, but also keep our convictions without compromise. Keep those convictions. You know, over in James chapter 1, it says a little thing about God. It says, where there is no shadow of turning. You know what that means? God doesn't change. 
God's word doesn't change. And if you have a con, you have a you have a conviction. God's giving you a conviction, and your conviction is based on the word of God. And I'm not saying a conviction based on man. But I'm saying a conviction that you believe based on the Word of God. You can go to God's Word. It's there. It's my conviction. I stand on that. Then stand on it. Because God's Word doesn't change. And not only that, but one day, I think everyone here would want to hear the Lord say to us, when we stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. You say, well, I, you know, will every conflict be something that uh, is going to, you know, every conflict is difficult and conflicts are exhausting and they're, they're taxing on our physical health, they're taxing on our mental health, they're taxing on our spiritual health, but God can use it to bring us to a greater level of devotion to him. Maybe here tonight you're facing a conflict. You're saying, what should I do? How do I respond? Hopefully, you respond like Daniel. Let Daniel be your example. Follow that example. Respond in faith. Have confidence in God's power. And when God brings you to it, give him the praise and glory. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Your God and Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your, your, the fact that you love us. And you've promised never to leave us. You've promised never to forsake us. And Lord, uh, even when we're in conflict, even when we're facing problems and difficulties, Lord, you're, you'll never leave us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just help us to get through these difficult times. I'm sure here tonight, among this group of people, there's somebody facing a conflict. And Lord, I pray for them that you would empower them and encourage them, and, Lord, that they would see it through, that you, they may one day give you the praise and glory for what they're facing. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.